passion, drive, and patience. What brings home the winning trophy is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance from superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has got you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to turn your car into the MVP and bring home that win. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Yo, Trey. Kevin, what's up, man? You know, I've been thinking, what would have happened if the NBA never vetoes the Chris Paul trade to the Lakers and we get CP3 in the same backcourt as Kobe in L.A.? Well, you get a very happy Jack Nicholson, for sure. And the Lakers probably win a bunch more championships. CP3 finally gets a ring or two or three. And the Kardashian empire is forever altered. What did you just say? Hey, everybody, I'm Trey Wingo. And I'm Kevin Frazier, and we're teaming up on a new weekly sports podcast from Wondery Alternate Routes. As former sports center anchors and current sports obsessives, we're consumed by all the what-if questions that make being a sports fan so excruciatingly fun. If you're like us, then you also live and die on the fallout from every drop pass. Or play call. Each week on Alternate Routes, we'll take a flashpoint in sports, break down what actually happened, then explore every alternate scenario and the ripple effects it would have caused. Follow Alternate Routes on the Wondery app or wherever you get your podcasts. You can listen early and ad-free right now by joining Wondery+. Plus. I did want to bring up one one thing in particular, and, and I'm looking for you guys for some advice on what Brad Marchand can do to get himself going before the postseason. I think it's one of the biggest storylines to follow going into the postseason. I mean, I absolutely think that he can go the next four games scoreless, and he is still a threat to break out in the playoffs and you know be a point-per-game guy in the postseason. I have no doubt about that. But with that said, he's got zero points in his last five. He has two points in his last eight and seven points in his last 10. So obviously, clearly, nine and 10 games ago, he had a, you know five points combined. But in the last five games, zero points. Um, again, we've talked about it before, but until he breaks out of it, we have to keep bringing this up. He just He's part of a power play that's losing uh, momentum for the Bruins. And five on five, he's not, he's not doing a whole lot. Um, so I guess what... What can he do to break out of this before the postseason? Or are you just kind of hoping that he just wakes up when April 17th comes around and whenever that round one starts? Uh, I mean, one thing that stands out is like shoot more for starters. You know, I thought Thursday night, I actually thought he played pretty well. And I thought there were times he showed some flashes of kind of vintage Martian, like rising to the moment he had. He had some nice moves. He had some nice, you know, quick cuts, stop starts, like to shake defenders. And that's one of the things where that I feel like you haven't seen enough this season. But then he was doing that. And then it wasn't really like there wasn't a, a finish there. There wasn't, you know, it wasn't translating to really great scoring chances. And, you know, I just looked it up like, Four of his last five games, he has two two shots on goal or fewer. Uh, Thursday night, he had one. So, you know, if you're talking about being in a goal-scoring drought, which is now 
14, what do we say? Games. 14 games. Yeah. yeah. Um, like there's, there's one place to start is just get more pucks on net. Like, like I know that sounds simple. I'm not saying, you know, throw them on net from 50 feet out or anything, but, uh, you know, I do feel like he's been in some positions where like normally you expect him to get a shot off and he doesn't. It's like, he's either holding a little too long, looking to pass. There's one tonight where it just like didn't handle. It would have been a pretty good look and he just didn't handle the pass cleanly. Um, you know, so I don't know, like, is that him gripping the stick a little too tight, you know, seeing that, Hey, I finally have a, a good look and you know, he's it's in his head a little, like, I, I don't know, but, um, that's a really obvious one is like, he, he's got to shoot more, you know, one or two shots a game. Isn't that's not good enough for him. Well, one of the most memorable Marshawn moments of the night against Toronto was that he had a wide open net to shoot in. He almost was the Bruins, you know, overtime hero, but he got hooked right as he was shooting and ended up being a, a penalty. The Bruins go on the power play after that. Um, and correct me if I'm wrong, they scored on the power play, right? Um, yeah. I, um, no, it's just after it I think it might have just ended. Yeah. Okay. So it was then it was four on four. So, um, but yeah, so he draws the penalty. And if they hadn't hooked him, game would, you know, he would have ended it there. I had a wide open net. I have to think that he wouldn't miss it the way he did, just shooting it all the way straight across the goal line out the other side. So he was so close. And, and sometimes you get an unfortunate thing like that where the only thing the other team can do is, you know, take a penalty and stop you from scoring. It ended up working for a few minutes, but then obviously Pasternak scoring the overtime game winner. But Marshawn was right there on that play, and that was a really good three-on-three unit that that they had um, with Grizzlick, Bergeron, and Marshawn. They started out that overtime really quickly getting some good opportunities, and they looked really good, almost scored, like I said. Yeah, I mean, I think this game in particular was really tough. Both teams wanted to get up for it, but – end of the day, you have one team that's got the president's trophy locked up. The other team is locked into their first round matchup with home ice already locked up, I believe. So against Tampa. So it was tough to manufacture, which may have led to more of a stale game. Now, as, as far as Marshan goes and Scott Bridget, you, I, I don't believe you are at warrior for practices, maybe here and there, but Scott, not like, recently. not recently, mm-hmm. Scott, like, do you notice anything with Martian in practice? Like is his, is his skating still not where it needs to be post hip surgery? Cause if that, if, if it's, if that's the root of his problems right now, um, then that's concerning. Cause it's not going to change anytime soon, but if he's just battling confidence or gripping the stick too tight, those are things that can change on a dime. So I, I guess, and you don't know the answer to this necessarily, but maybe your best guess. I think it's probably a little bit of both. Like I'd be lying if I said anything stood on practice. I, th- I think he's been practicing fine. He looks good when I'm watching. Um, but, you know, he's been open about, you know, he's still not quite where he wants to be, but that he has obviously, an ex- he sets an extremely high bar for himself. You know, you talk to, Montgomery or you talk to like Bergeron or DeBrusque or other players about it and they're like yeah I don't know he looks really good to me most of the time so it's it, you know it's not like he's dropped down like 
three gears. It's like maybe a you know a quarter of a gear below where he usually is skating wise. Um, I think some of the kind of what I just mentioned, like the the quick cuts, the holding defenders off, gaining separation in tight spaces. I think some of that, maybe that little bit of short burst explosiveness, like that might be lacking a little bit. Um, but I don't think it's, I don't think that's what's causing the slump. Like, I, I think that's still in a good enough spot that he can produce. We've seen him have much better stretches than this, this season. You know, I, I think it's kind of just a slump that has snowballed on him a little bit. And, you know, he hasn't been able to break out of it as quickly as we're used to seeing, you know, this is now stretched on to his longest goalless drought in, in eight years. You know, he does have, I think eight assists during this. So it's not like he's totally off the score sheet until these last few games. And that's where I think it's kind of, you know, like it's almost gotten worse. It's like, it got to a certain point where he was like, okay, like, you know, I'm not breaking out of this yet. And now it's almost taken like another downturn instead of bouncing back. And I don't know, like, obviously you would like to see him break out of it before the end of the radio season. And if he doesn't get hooked and he gets that overtime winner, maybe that's the play that does it right. Like maybe it just takes the one to go in. So that can still happen between now and next Thursday when the regular season ends. I also think like the start of the playoffs could just be kind of the spark and the reset that he needs if it does stretch on that long. Like I, you know, my expectation is like I don't think we're going to see peak Brad Marchand from four years ago. Like I just think realistically, that's probably not showing up this season just because it's been so long. Like it's now been basically an entire regular season that we haven't really seen it. So I'm not expecting that Marshan to magically show up now, but I do think that Marshan is capable, capable of being much better and producing much more than he has the last couple of weeks. Yeah. And this is what I wrote about. And, um, you know, really most of it still stands. I think when I wrote it, it was a 13 game, streak without a goal now it's 14 um but the rest of of what i was writing about still stands and um people were like commenting on the tweet and whatnot like oh you're just throwing him under the boss it's not a slump well it is a slump like you get to call it what it is it's it, it's definitely uncharacteristic of him but they failed to read the ending which was that it would also be uncharacteristic of him if he let it affect him in the playoffs because he's been the Bruins leading goal scorer four playoffs in a row. Um, and he remember he led the Bruins last year in goals, assists and points through the seven game series with Carolina with two hips that needed surgery. So I just, I feel like he's a different, he, he has the ability to turn it on in the playoffs. Um, you have to call it what it is. It's a slump. Will it continue? it'd be surprising to me if it continued for an extended part of the playoffs. And when we talk about how it's been eight years since his last slump, well, that was a 15 game um, goalless drought. And that happened at the exact same point in the season starting in March and then going through to he scored in the last two games of the regular season, kind of got back on track, went into the playoffs. That was a long time ago. And the only, his longest was 20 games that he went without a goal, which were 
the entire 20 games of his first season in the NHL a long time ago. So, um, yeah, it's, I, I want to talk about it because it's important and, um, of note, but he still has four games to try to get, get a goal before the playoffs and he wants to play through it. He's said that, um, he doesn't want rest. He doesn't think that would help him as much as playing through it. Well, far be it for me to explain to a former Stanley Cup champion and potential future Hall of Famer how to play hockey. So I'm not going to be condescending towards Brad Marchand. But from what I see watching, I definitely see a guy who uh, acknowledges the slump that he's in. And he's trying to do too much to get out of it. And in doing so, he's skating into traffic as opposed to away from traffic. He's trying to skate through guys as opposed to you know, skate around them and get pucks to areas where he can chase after and use his speed. And the puck's just dying on a stick because it's almost like, it's almost like opponents know he's fighting it and they're just kind of like really caving in on him really, really fast. And when, when, when you're getting caved in on, you're not going to skate through three guys with stick handles. It's just not going to happen. Put the puck to an area. You can chase after it, use your legs four check, be a pest to on the four check, which is what he, that's his bread and butter. Always as, as talented as Martian is with the puck on his stick historically, like he is so effective when he's putting the puck into dangerous areas, chasing after it, forechecking efficiently, finding Bergeron, you know, in the slot or whomever his line mates are. Like that's that's what he needs to get back to. Sometimes for star players to get off, you know, the the schneid of a slump, they have to play more like a grinder. And I think that if he incorporates that into his game down the last, you know, a couple weeks of the season here, hopefully that he can find some success and some confidence going to the playoffs. And with confidence, it's amazing what you can do with confidence on your side. But when you don't have that, you got to stick to the basics to regain it. And I think that's hopefully what he can do uh, as Bridget mentioned in the final four games here. Well, and it's similar thing you could say about the power play. The power play did not look good again today. Um, aside from the overtime power play. Um, but that's obviously you have a lot more space in a four on three. Um, but the regulation power plays did not look good. And it seems like a confidence thing with that too. Yeah, it for sure. Um, you know, it, it's for the power play. It's like I was advocating for this check unit to get more time together. And unfortunately for them, like, that totally fell apart because Krejci's missed the last two games. And to touch on another update from Jim Montgomery after the game, it sounds like it's possible that Krejci misses another game or two. Like they mm-hmm. just want to be super safe and, and understandably so. But and based on his comments, I feel like it's like more likely than not that he's not playing the next game against New Jersey. Yeah, I would agree. Like it sounded like both Krejci and McAvoy are going to, mm-hmm sit at least that game and then possibly Sunday as well. Since that's a back-to-back with travel, like why, if those guys are sitting Saturday, why then throw them on a plane for a one day trip? Um, So yeah, it's possible that they both missed two games and that, you know, now that leaves just two games after that to try my check power play idea. So I'm sure the Bruins would have loved, you know, they basically reunited like their usual top unit. It was Lindholm, Pasenak, Bergeron, Marchand, DeBrusque. I'm sure they would love to get that going in this 
you know, while they're together again um, before crazy comes back. But it, man, like it kind of looks like a lot of like a lot of the same, like they were still, still struggling to get into the zone, still not moving enough. It's, it, it's kind of amazing. Like it's just the same thing over and over again with that unit. And again, I come back to like, do they just need, you know, raises me this point that last year they struggled and then they were good against Caroline in the playoffs. Do they just need like the playoffs to get here? So they have more urgency. And, you know, I, I do kind of wonder about that with guys like Marsha and Bergeron in particular, where it's like, they're not, you know, Pasternak, while he won't, he won't really like, admit that like he wants to get 60 goals, but it's like, that's a pretty good goal to be shooting for. Other guys, you know, have career highs or approaching career highs. And it's like Marsha and Bergeron aren't that. Like they don't, they don't have like any individual numbers or accomplishments or feats to, to chase right now. So and you do kind of wonder, it's like, you know, is it going to take until the playoffs for those guys in particular to really feel the sense of urgency and like kick up the intensity level? Correct me if I'm wrong. Bergeron has incentives in his contract, but I'm pretty sure they're all really, really low when they were going to be passed really early on in the season. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Him and Krejci both already hit them all a long time ago. Yeah, because they were more of a formality in terms of structuring yeah. the contract. But um, anyway, yeah, Krejci not being out. And Pasternak almost wasn't out there either because what we heard from Coach after the game was that Pasternak was dealing with a stomach issue. Um, decided He told Coach he wanted to play. So he was like, well, I'm, you know, it's up to him. He's going to play. And when I asked him about it after the game, he said uh, he learned from Bergeron and some of the other guys, you can play through anything. So it kind of just, um, you know, a hockey player moved to play, even though you're not feeling a hundred percent. Yeah, I absolutely do agree with what you guys talked about as well with uh, the power play in the playoffs. I mean, you don't want to rely on that, but, I do, I do think that there's an element of just the the buzz in the arena when a power play happens. Knowing in a playoff game, in a playoff series, how important and special teams is, and just when you when you're in a when you're in a one-one tight checking game, and you get a power play in the middle of the third period, and you know these don't come around too often in this in this game, you want to. The the stake when the stakes are higher, these guys are all world players. It, they seem to rise to the occasion, and I guess the 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 silver lining is like if the Bruins power play was clicking at like an absurd rate right now, maybe the the fear would be well, maybe they've been too good and they might go cold in the playoffs. Like so, there's always like the grass is always greener. Uh, you can always look at things from different perspectives, and um, from a personnel perspective, yeah, sure. They got to figure out what they want the units to be when they're fully healthy. Hopefully Taylor Hall comes back soon, gives them a different look. Um, all I know is that there's just way too much talent for, for, for this team to, you know, I know they were four of 14, I think, or four of 10, their last 10 going into tonight's game. Uh, obviously primarily that was the other unit with Zaka and, and, and Bertuzzi and stuff like that. So, um, but yeah, I just tonight. Tonight was frustrating. It's I just again the puck's dying on Marshan's stick. You're losing momentum. You can't even get the crowd into it. They're not taking. They're not shooting it. Not to sound like the guy in the 300s yelling shoot, but like just shoot it at some point now. Um, 
And even in overtime, Bridget, you mentioned the overtime power play. See, I thought that overtime power play wasn't great. Um, I thought that, you know, Martian, DeBrus got a chance in front of the net, but it wasn't by design. It was kind of just like a fluky puck went out to the, to the, to the crease. And then I thought that like Orloff, I'm not Orloff. I thought Lindholm and Marshan were just playing. They were playing pass together for like an absurd amount of time on a four on three. It's like, guys get closer to the net and like find an attacking lean. Like wh- what are you doing? Just, you know, what are you doing? You look like a bunch yeah. of high school kids in warmups, like, like attack the net. Yeah. And then before the winner, like the one, one timer that they set up for Pasternak, Lindholm was already shaded to that side of the ice. It was like a eight foot pass. And it was like, the goalie's not moving. Like the goalie was already on that side of the net tracking Lindholm. And now you just passed it further off to the side. Like any goal is going to get completely square to that shot with no problem. Like it would have taken a like miracle fitted into like a, you know, six inch by six inch hole for Pasenak to score there. Like there was absolutely nothing to shoot at. And it's like, yeah, four on three. Like you shouldn't be settling for an, you know, an outside one timer where the goalie's not even on the move. Yeah. I just feel like, I just feel like they're playing on their heels rather than on their toes in the power play. And it's just very evident. Like they just don't, you, there's no, there's no, there's no scoring threat. And I don't know. They, they got to figure it out. Is it confidence? I don't know. Is it because they've just been playing a little bit subconsciously going through the motions, knowing that everything is, I don't know, but whatever it is, it's just, it's too passive. It's too nonchalant. They're not creating two on ones in the ozone. Like they're not, there's not enough movement, not enough shots to the net, not enough traffic. I mean, literally everything you want in a power play, there's not enough of it. Certainly not enough conviction and there's no confidence in their game. And it's, it's very evident now. Yes, they did score following the power play um, seconds after Riley got out of the box. But even that, like, you, you watch Pasternak, and he's telling Coyle to pass it to Lindholm. Um, I believe it was Lindholm. And Coyle passes it to Pasternak. Instead, Pasternak didn't want the puck. Now, or it, actually, it was Orloff. But fortunately, Orloff gave it back to Pasternak quickly for the goal. But it's just, I don't know. The power play was, was a problem again. And if you're not going to score on it, worse things in life will happen. But do not lose momentum. And especially at home, when you have a building that's ready to erupt at any moment for you in the postseason, don't let the building be flat because you can't get your shit together in the power play when you have an extra guy out there. Old man winter here. If I had it my way, it would stay winter all year long. Short days, wind chill, black ice and a good polar vortex. Oh, heaven. Wait, is it getting warm in here? Your cold snap is over, old man winter. Spring has arrived. Spring. Spring is here, which means it's the perfect time to get away in the Hyundai you've always wanted. Visit the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event, where you can get great deals on all of our award-winning Hyundai models, like the tech-filled Tucson and Kona, as well as the spacious Palisade. Enjoy wherever you go with the peace of mind that comes with America's best warranty and three years or 36,000 miles of complimentary maintenance. But hurry in. These deals won't last. Add more joy to your journey at the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Now get 0% APR or up to 1500 bonus cash on the Hyundai Tucson. Now, during the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Offers end soon. Call 562-314-4603 for details.